Yes. Because everything that goes on on a football field, everything that goes on on a basketball court would be illegal if it happened anywhere else. <laughs> so right. you can't, can't hit someone. You can't box somebody out in a grocery store. You can't. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't get to. Can't steal the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, all of this is illegal, but we have this controlled environment where they have to man up. These boys have to man up and uh, it's, it's really fantastic. I think it's important. And it's because in that controlled environment, all these stories play out every game, all these narratives and all these micro narratives play out and they have to, they have to incorporate all the lessons they've learned. And when I'm in a locker room, I'm referencing stories. I'm telling them stories. I'm telling them stories from scripture. I'm telling them stories from other athletes. I'm telling them stories from history, like yeah. stories. Yep. The way you teach these guys how to comport themselves under stress and in hardship and when facing opposition is entirely yeah. narrative. And, you know, it's like I, I give that to them and then tell them who to be, what characters we're going to be. Uh, and then we, then we go try to beat them. And the next game, we try again. And the next game, we try again. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to Sasf. Episode, well, we stopped counting again. Episode <laughs> over 100. <laughs> Welcome to episode over 100. This yeah. is Sasf. 103. Not Sassafras, just to be clear. This is Sasf. 103. We have, yeah, no more permission for Sassafras. <laughs> <laughs> we might trademark it, but you know, and then use it. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So anyways, fun stuff. Small. Oh, we start out with some small. Yeah. Small town news. Uh, back in the, the year was 2020. In a world. <laughs> <laughs> in a world. Cut for cut. Overrun Disney. by pandemic restrictions. <laughs> One um, man. One. Yeah. Gabriel Wrench. Gabriel Wrench <laughs> was running for county commissioner. Yeah. yeah. So we, we had a, uh, in September of 2020, during the height of COVID, our mayor was was busily, uh, well, he was granted emergency powers by the city council in a hilarious way. But, and then he started busily shutting everybody down and he bankrupted, um, you know, functionally bankrupted. She had to sell a locally owned gym downtown and a lot, a lot of businesses had to tra change hands. People lost a lot in our little downtown economy. Um, a bunch of people, of course, went to went to the pork. They went to the, you know, the federal the government. Yeah, the PIP loans. Is that yeah, what they, they did that. And it's like, OK, whatever. Um, it's hard to get off those, though. Once it is start. really hard to get off those. But it's also the government was the one doing it to you. So, so there's an there's there, an there, there, the, I, I, I don't think there's like a big moral concern about. Yeah. yeah. In, in the same way that it kind of normally is. But anyway. Uh, we got popped and popped and these stupid orders. My son was on the sidewalk talking to his cousin and cops came around and said, we're going to arrest you if you don't stand further apart. And my son said, I'll be right here. You can. And they said, if we drive around the block and you're still right here, we're going to arrest you. And he's like, go for it. I'll be right here with my cousin. They, they chickened out. Um, later, yeah, my son obviously was. They didn't come back. They did not come around the block. They get they. It was they, a very large he's, block. <laughs> he stood there waiting. But anyway, um, our church hosted a psalm sing protest in the parking lot of City Hall. I think three songs in the doxology. Right? Yeah, we're gonna show up. We're gonna sing after work. We're gonna see. Yeah, end of the day, sing three songs, the doxology, and get out of there. But in protest of these emergency orders now as made national news and as Trump tweeted about and everything else, we show up. Uh, we, I actually was tied up. I was not able to go, but my family was there and, um, cops show up and start arresting people. Um, uh, and they arrested Gabe Wrench and Sean and Rachel Bonet. Three people were arrested, taken down to taken down to the lockup. Um, randomly selective. Yeah. The uh, Gabe happened to have been a, um, a very loud vocal opponent of COVID restrictions at the time and was a Republican candidate for county commissioner. So the fact that he was plucked from a crowd of hundreds <laughs> and, and arrested. We'll pick someone at random. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you look good. It's like, ah, interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. But in, anyway, the charges were later dropped in a weird, in a weird move where Gabe and the Bonet's defense filed a motion to dismiss based on the fact that the 
the emergency order itself, the ordinance itself specified that it could not apply to any constitutionally protected expressive or associative activity. Right. Full stop. Protests like just, and religious gatherings. Yeah. Like anything, basically the bill of rights, we acknowledge the city ordinance cannot limit your constitutional rights in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, in the words of, uh, well, anyway, moving on, it, it gets saucy from here. So Gabe, um, his lawyers move that charges be dismissed because the ordinance exempts the actual uh, activity that was happening. And then they tried to say, no, you weren't arrested for that. You were arrested for refusing to show ID. Mm. This is, and the Bonets were charged with uh, obstruction too, not just violating the city ordinance, but for refusing to show ID and it kind of all cascaded from there. Well, our sheriff kicked him out to, of jail, right? Yeah, the sheriff. Like the, the sheriff just said, "I refuse to hold. I refuse to hold them." Did this the is, noble thing. Yeah, you can't keep them in my in my jail. Um, they let him go, and then rather than ruling on the defense's motion to dismiss, the state real quick, the prosecutors real quick filed their own motion to dismiss based on the fact that it hadn't been illegal, and it was dismissed real quickly rather than letting it is literally the you I can't fire yeah, me. I it's, quit. yeah it's like no no you can't you cannot uh accept their motion to dismiss we have to have our motion to dismiss they just they did their own thing and it was a really bizarre thing that never prosecutors never do that they can just drop charges they could just stop anytime and then instead yeah. they actually like they took their they, own horse out behind the bar yeah, and shot it. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was really weird anyway <laughs> lawsuits were filed three years later here we are um in the lawsuits the city of moscow uh, filed a motion for the motion for summary judgment and so in that a summary judgment being basically for all of us uh plebes you don't know law basically they they wanted it chucked now they wanted the federal judge in California. It got moved out of Idaho because it was prejudicial or whatever. And so it's down in with a, uh, a federal judge, federal district judge in in, um, in California. And they moved for summary judgment to basically chuck the lawsuits. Just chuck them. Uh, they have a burden of proof in the summary of judgment. They have to prove that both the facts and the law are on their side. Uh, this judge uh, basically beat the city of Moscow with a rubber hose. And that's... <laughs> In, this, in his in his ruling that just came out, the press release is out now. is hilarious. Um, he said things including, uh, "Never in all his days on the bench has he seen someone fail the way to meet their burden the way the city of Moscow did." Um, Neither the facts nor the law said, was on their side. Yeah, he said, "As the as the old adage goes, or as the old adage uh, shows, um, there's a first time for everything." Like he actually said that in his. Oh wow. In in this, he said that no city official appears to have read their own ordinance. Oof. He uh, said that he ordered a settlement, basically, and said this this should never see the inside of a courtroom ever because it's so obvious. Because the city so obviously aired, so obviously wrongfully arrested people, they did not read their own ordinance that they were purporting to enforce. And police did not even have the authority to request ID in the first place of anyone. So mm-hmm. like them complaining later as they tried to shift off of the constitutional complaint real quickly and said, no, we didn't arrest him for exercising his free speech. We didn't arrest him for being at a Psalm saying we arrested him for not showing identification. And the problem is you can't in the state of Idaho, you can't request ID unless somebody no, is we're not a stop an ID. Right. Yeah. But he, he also said that the magistrate judge, erred in granting probable cause i mean this guy just like he went through and obliterated everything <laughs> it's like blam um across across the board and there are some real uh enjoyable and, and saucy lines in there yeah you can um, find that press release at moscow report yeah, now is that yeah there? moscow report would be the place to do it um but anyway the the gist is it does it's not the it's not a result in the lawsuit I mean, like it's not a ruling on the lawsuit, but it is the end of the lawsuit. Yeah. Because the he federal said, go find a settlement. Yeah. The, the federal judge has said the city is uh, basically indisputably in the wrong and has just been in the wrong on, on everything here. So settle. <laughs> I mean, that was just, that was basically what he, yeah what he said. Now, the thing that's great for me personally, selfishly speaking, is that my son's and myself were all charged with 13 misdemeanors each in the wake of these arrests. 
So when these cops showed up at the Psalm saying and illegally arrested people, uh, both my boys were there. Um, the city's slogan enforced because we care was was emblazoned everywhere to try to justify this kind of thing. Uh, our name is Moscow. I mean, so it was it was think like on enforced because we care. That's yeah, that was their official brand, their official it's severance, push severance level. They don't they didn't <laughs> they didn't read the story in which they were living. And this is back to all of life as a story. Live as a character in a story. My son stuck non-damaging stickers. Again, these are vinyl. Non-damaging is a key word here. Uh, non-damaging stickers on city poles that said Soviet Moscow enforced because we care. They ended up uh, just a little addition of one word. I mean, I also had a nice hammer and sickle. yeah, the hammer and sickle and, and Soviet <laughs> the color scheme. And then they enforced done, because we care. It was great. Yeah, because they had done masked faces, right? That was their art. Oh move. yeah, it was their like their art crayon was, mask faces. They had done faces covered with masks and enforced because we care all everywhere. You could um, see their artist was struggling with how to make faces look cheerful while masked. <laughs> yeah. He tried like up and down eyelashes. There's a, there, yeah, it was it was funny. And so my boys went out and were protesting these arrests. And then they end up, you know, up against a cop car and handcuffs on the sidewalk. Uh, video evidence disappears for a year. All the Soviet behavior came right out uh, in regards to them. So while it's not, while our case is not over. So my, my son... Uh, Rory was convicted of one count of placing a sign or a flyer without permission, uh, a charge that's never, ever, ever happened in the history of Moscow. Uh, to quote the judge. Yeah, in all his <laughs> days on the bench. Never seen this. Uh, charges against myself and against my other son were dropped, uh, but Rory was convicted of one count. Uh, this was because he was not denying that he placed it. So in court, he was trying to say why he placed it. You want to talk about the First Amendment? That was none of that was really allowed. Um, so his case is on appeal for those reasons. And it's also important to know again, this is for the for the layman. Uh, when you go to appeal, your case is not retried. So your case is not retried. The performance of the judge in your case is is on trial. On appeal, the judge is on trial. And so her decisions to limit his allowable defense, to not allow the jury to see all the other signs and flyers, to not allow the jury to know how frequently this happens and how it's never been charged, uh, to not allow First Amendment argumentation to the level we, we wanted and so on. So that is all on appeal. Um, that's on appeal right now in district court. And there will be oral arguments this, this month. And my two sons and myself all have a lawsuit going against the city of Moscow as well, but that's a, it's a really long slog. So this is a really encouraging brick in the road. It doesn't mean that we're going to win. It doesn't mean that we're going to successfully um, yeah, have the outcome we, we would like to see, but it, it is because the fight is still real, but it is why we do it. Yeah. Cause I think it's an important part in the story. There's that part in the story where you feel very lonely Oh yeah, right? the, long, the so, long walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where many, where many people think, especially as you're heading into D knots, <laughs> <laughs> as you're getting Dark Knight of the Soul stuff on, you could start to feel like there's nobody there. The end of Act Two. Yeah, you're never going to see. Yeah, what? What? Good. Why are we doing this? The number of people yep. who have asked me and and continue to ask me why we're doing this is because we really want to leave leave things better than we found them. Yeah. So one part sheer cussedness, three parts leave things better than they it, found it, them. It might be three parts sheer cussedness. <laughs> one part leave things better than you found them. But the gist is really, do you want to live in a town or a state or a country where you can be arrested for doing these things and be prosecuted for criticizing a local government? Yeah. And, well, and yeah. prosecuted for criticizing the local government, which a federal judge has now ruled was behaving illegally and unconstitutionally. And so that really, it helps us. It doesn't change the matter of law for my boys at all. It doesn't change, you know, yeah. the, the issue of law because they should have been allowed to protest government in our country under the bill of rights. They should have been allowed to protest government behavior, even if the government was behaving totally legally. The fact that the government was abusing its power and arresting people, people illegally and violating the constitution. The fact that our city was doing that and a federal judge has now ruled that's what they were doing. And that's what my boys were protesting. That helps. Yeah. It helps. It helps that they were right on the law and the city was wrong on the law then. Yeah. And then now we have to sort out 
uh, whether the city was suddenly correct in how they handled all of that around Stickergate. I mean, I think a bigger part too is just, do you have to follow the law when it is the law and you're the government and ex extenuating circumstances happen? Mm -hmm. And I think it does seem like there's many chances where politicians say, oh, but this big thing happened, so I don't have to do the thing that we yeah. agreed that we would do. Yep. Now that there's a situation, I shouldn't follow the, the covenant that we've made. Yeah. The executive order transcends the covenant because emergency. Or or imagine, if you will, the I'm totally hypothetical situation where uh, the government might make a treaty with a, a tribe and mm. then find gold on the reservation land. Say in hills that were black. Mm. And then be like, <laughs> you know what? This here treaty, we're going to ignore that now because circumstances have changed. We yeah. thought we were giving you something of no value, and it turns out it turns out we gave you something that was quite valuable. So we need to change it now. Governments have always done this. Like yeah. they always, when they get to be the referee, and this is why the division of powers matters so much. Um, when they get to be the referee and an active agent in the conflict, it is always bad. Yeah, it will always go badly, and it'll go badly for anyone. I don't care what color you are. It's going to go bad in the inner city. It's going to go bad on the res. It's going to go bad in rural Montana. It's going to go bad, you know, in the suburbs of Duluth. You know, it's like, it's just going to go bad anywhere. And it's, um, it's kind of weird to just be in a really long, slow wrestling match with a boa constrictor yeah. that wants to reserve unto itself the right to arrest and prosecute people who've criticized it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what we have here is we have a government that wants to be able to first in Gabe's case, ignore the constitution, not read their own laws. And then in our case, ignore the constitution and, and prosecute and harass uh, political opponents. Yeah. You know, it's like, because they were made fun of. And yeah. it's interesting to me that the defense I've heard has been, oh, too bad. The city left this loophole in the law that they would have to listen to, uh, the, or that that constitutional free speech is exempted, right? right? They should have just written a law that had no exceptions whatsoever. That's what it's, I've heard. But it. they actually did. the The mayor then removed. So in the initial, what well, the city council did in the initial ordinance, it acknowledged that it couldn't limit constitutionally protected the activities. classical liberal position. Yeah, <laughs> and then they updated that after our incident and removed that. They just didn't refer to it. And that doesn't mean that constitutional behavior is now illegal. illegal. Yeah. It just means that they would let it be decided in the courts. Right. If they decided to limit constitutionally protective, protected behavior, then it would be a matter of litigation in the courts to determine. In this case, they acknowledged it. And the judge said, this is constitutionally protected behavior. The ordinance itself acknowledges there's not there's not even a conflict. This is why he said that he's never yeah. seen he's never seen somebody fail like this city failed because he said the facts are not disputed. This is not a, a dispute of facts. Literally, both sides absolutely agreed on the facts. The facts were this is the ordinance that was passed. This is the activity that was being done. The cops weren't not saying Oh, he was launching bottle rockets and Gabe saying, no, I wasn't right. You know, it's every single thing is agreed to. And then how, like given the facts, they failed to show that the law was actually in the laws, part of the ordinance and everything else. They failed to show that this in any way helped them. Right. The facts as they are agreed to damn them. Like they were, they were yeah. convicted and guilty purely by the facts on the ground. And so that the fact that those weren't disputed was really funny that they were not, they were in agreement on what they did, what the ordinance said, <laughs> what activity was being pursued. Yeah. All of that was agreed. And they, they just still fought it for three years, spent a huge amount of tax money. Yeah. Three years of legal battle refused to settle or even talk about settling when the facts like are, could not have slammed a car door on their fingers anymore <laughs> than, than they actually did. So, so after they exempt took the constitutional loophole, as if the constitution yeah. is a loophole, after they took that out, they no longer enforced it, right? Isn't that yeah. the way they did that? Yeah. So it was basically a game of chicken. They they for where, their pride, they then removed that loophole and kept it the ordinance standing, and then no longer enforced anything. Because we had a couple of loopholes. I mean, we had a couple. Sorry, psalm sings. I think there were protests regularly. All that. Yeah, a couple of pro protests. From I mean, others. I ran basketball tournaments the entire time. Right. 
So church it. Yeah. Obviously. Church yeah. was going. They removed that loophole, but it wasn't it's not a loophole they could remove. Yeah. They basically they they had had a sentence which like bowed to the constitution. They then removed the bow to the constitution, but that doesn't change the fact that the constitution is still supreme over any municipal ordinance. I mean, yeah. like the municipality in Idaho doesn't have the ability to waive the, the bill of rights. <laughs> well, I think although they might think they do. Right. I don't know. Yeah. They don't seem to think in those terms. They're like, it's a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that, you know, we love to have stories about the hero who stands up in that one moment and managed to tip the entire government. But it yep. often also seems like the long, slow fight yeah. is also another pattern that we should get way more comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably Frodo, to be honest, like crawling step the long by walk. step. The long Through Mordor. Walk. Yeah. Just like, hey, we're not going to make it out of here. We're just trying to get this up to Mount Doom. We don't have any food to get back. Yeah. And Gollum's after us and there's no water. There's, there's a really, really uh, hard pivot, really, really good basketball team in our league. <laughs> and... Their greatest strength is the sensation of invincibility, the myth of invincibility when they walk into the gym. They believe it and their opponent believes it. And if that's the case, if their opponent does not believe in that mythology, they, they may or may not win. But if they do believe that mythology, they're done. Right. Like they're just done. It's over. You can't beat someone who you are convinced you can't beat. Yep. It's not going to happen. And the same thing when you're, when you're fighting a government and they have they're, you are paying their legal bills. When I am fighting, like when I'm fighting the city of Moscow, I'm paying their legal bills and I'm paying my legal bills. The taxpayers who are resisting are all, they're paying both sides of this. And the people on the other side are talking about their own immunity. They're fighting for their own immunity. They as individuals have no skin in the game. They can swipe taxpayer credit cards to just fight you. And that disadvantage is incredible. Like that when you start out, the disadvantage is in how do I make the police hand over evidence? I can't. Yeah. I don't like there's no one I can send. Yeah. And ro them. going Robin Hood on it and like no. break, breaking. I mean, that's silly. No. The idea of like, no, the suddenly like go, let's go vigilanteism. But when yeah. they are the ones suppressing evidence, when they are the ones perjuring themselves or lying on the stand, when they're the ones doing that and they've protected themselves very carefully when they have a judge to Benedict, you know, a little magistrate judge to Benedict behaviors, it can feel like, how could we possibly, like, how could we possibly? And it just, it's back to cussedness, like just long-term determined cussedness yeah. uh, going in one direction. I know Gabe and the Bonets were represented by um, the Thomas More Society. Uh, in our lawsuits, we're represented by the American Freedom Law Center. Uh, they've, you know, I, I really like them. Is that my my phone cellular interference? Nope, not me. Um, it's always Brian's. It's probably mine. Um, so I like them a lot. And there are these different centers that help with that and societies that help with that. They try to underwrite the you know the fight. But in any of the criminal, the criminal side, the the appeal side, we're and Gabe's criminal side was was done quickly. Our criminal side has been going for you know more than two years. That's all just cash out. Like you're just, yeah. you're just spending in a criminal appeal and you're just spending. Um, and a lot of people have been really generous in seeing the issues and helping us in that fight, you know, supporting us in that fight, which we're incredibly grateful for because it takes so long and our attention spans are so short. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just think about what's happened over the last two years, you know, more than two years ago, uh, three years ago, October, my boys were, you know, my son, my son was in handcuffs on the sidewalk because he told an officer, I don't think Idaho is a stop and identify state. And the guy, the guy believed that he'd, he'd heard somebody was putting up these protest stickers. He thought it might be Rory. He hadn't seen anything. Stopped him, asked him for ID, and he just said, I don't think Idaho's a stop and identify state. He was walking on the sidewalk at the time. Guy grabs him and puts him down in handcuffs on the sidewalk. They proceed to interrogate him without Miranda. They do all sorts of other stuff. They, you know, accuse him of felonies, say they can hold him as long as they want. He can, you know, yada, yada, yada. All the, all the things that cops uh, use when they're dealing with, like, gnarly people. Like, when they're, when they're going after real criminals. 
all of that's directed at him and they pull his minor brother over and put him on the brush guard of a squad car and do that there. That whole fight is something, how much has happened since then? Like think about the world, think about Chinese spy balloons and, yeah. and just rewind every 24 hour news cycle across years. And we're still here fighting about non-damaging stickers. Yeah. Our listeners may be thinking, I heard that. Yeah. I heard it already, but it, we're in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> You're no, still in the middle of it. Still in the middle of it. It's it's like briefs are being exchanged, oral arguments are this. And we're we're paying for oral arguments this month. Like, okay, we're in that courtroom. But there we go. You got it. You just got to be ready to go. Um, and the fact is, we we have enough people, and this is part of the, just an expression of gratitude, who have a kind of a long term vision. They've not lost awareness of it, and I'm really appreciative of that. So the fact that Gabe didn't settle quickly. The fact that Gabe wanted them to acknowledge what actually happened and really, you know, really deal with it. The fact that he just got this win and, you know, in front of a federal judge is fantastic. Like it shows progress, you know, here we go, but we're just, we're not done. We could, we can still lose. We're capable of losing. Um, But it's really encouraging because it's also clear that we're very capable of winning. Also, you know, we have different judges. And in California, nonetheless. Yeah. I think the guy, um, I don't remember how it goes. I think that he uh, was originally nominated by Bush. And then I think that both Obama and Trump had different hands. According to, I don't know. I didn't research it myself, but Mm. had hands in placing him where he is currently. Judges matter. I've heard that. Yeah. (laughs) So who we have, I don't know yet. I don't know. I don't know who we have in our, in our lawsuit or where, Um, but it's man, it's funny. Now, how does all of this connect in any way? Uh, to like what we normally talk about. Well, I think, I mean, I think the idea of slow faithfulness and that's been a regular theme. Yeah. Uh, but the, and the way, the way I, I think it does is living a story. There's a reason why I wasn't upset at my boys. Yeah. You know, it's like they saw a moment, they lived in a moment and they, they lived in a moment in time when they're at a religious service in protest, singing songs and they watch cops walk in and start cuffing people. And their response was to protest peacefully didn't damage any property. You know, they didn't, they didn't burn any cars. They didn't do anything like that. There was no uh, Boston tea party. It was, they made fun of the tyrants and ended up on their faces, you know, and threatened with years. You know, my younger son was threatened with years in juvie. You know, when you're, uh, you're looking to your high school years and they, they come at you with that initial charge would have resulted in three and a half years in juvie. It's like, whoa. I mean, that's, and that's, that's a, you know, yeah, Lord, please don't let this yeah. one be my story. Right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a ceiling, obviously. And then they, they right. start, we started throwing fastballs and they started backing off and dropped the charges down from 13 and, and the, but the whole fight started. I was really proud of both my boys because they were, they acted like characters in a story. They acted like the kind of characters in a story that I've, they've read about, that they've made friends with, you know, then they went and, you know, went to pursue that. So, you yeah. know, it's like, I know they would do it differently now. And I th- I'm sure that the, the differently would be, let's not get caught <laughs> or, um, well, you know, do it at noon, you know, and the reason why they didn't do it in the middle of the day is because they're so easy to remove. They didn't want, you know, some angry liberals just following them around, pulling, them just down. taking them yeah. off, which is what usually happens when pe- people are placing Cause it. Cause at noon you can't break the law on the, you mean the cops can't break the law when they're arresting no. you? No, they, they right. yeah, and they wouldn't have. People are hanging stuff up all the time, right? All the time in this town, and nothing ever happens. So, the fact that they did it after dark to prevent people from pulling their the stickers off after them is what ended up kind of giving the cops the leeway to handle them the way they did, um, which is unfortunate. Mm. So it's um, but that's that's probably it. But as far as like them setting their own alarms and heading out while I was asleep to go do this. I was all for it. Like, you know what? Way to go guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Um, as a dad, I want you to be that kind of unoppressible, you know, person. And that's why ultimately why we read stories. It's why we read stories to them. It's why we catechize our loves and loyalties with narrative and with fiction. That's why it's also really dangerous to catechize your loves and loyalties with the wrong fiction. You can easily ingrain uh, lots of the wrong, or I, I shouldn't just say the wrong virtues. I'd say false virtues. Yeah. What kind of, 
I mean, what kind of false virtues are, are we thinking? I'm trying to think of examples of stories. We've talked about the ones who stand up to authority. I'm trying yeah, to think but of it's, we've actually ones. even ta- We've even talked about this before, and it's it's good to echo it. But think about survival as a virtue. Mm. Like staying out of trouble as a virtue. Right. You know, it's like those are those are like deeply ingrained underlying things. So even in something that's like hyperbolic and 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 inflated like Hunger Games, the fact that it is entirely powered by the virtue of survival. Yeah. You know, it's like the the thing that drives the plot is all about survival. It's not like it's bad to survive. But heroes have to be willing to take it in the teeth. Yeah. Like they have to be willing to be the ones where, you know, it just doesn't matter. They're the ones willing to crawl through the mud, you know, to, to go low and, and do the big things. So, I mean, I'm thinking even of, you know, when you watch Harry Potter, for example, you know, he's often every book he's doing something he wasn't, he was told not to do. right? Right. But I, tend to be pretty sympathetic to Harry. Especially. Yeah, but it's all, those are all bureaucratic. Right, because it's, yeah. it's bureaucratic rules, stuffy teachers. Yep. The, the rule following ones are the kids like Percy that end up totally welching under pressure. Yeah. And uh, then you watch how J.K. Rowling now has become public right. enemy number one yep. in the trans discussion mm-hmm. just for saying, not that I think trans women are bad, they just shouldn't be in a women's bathroom. Yeah. Right? Um, just, just the fact of that she's become public enemy number one makes me think she got the right lesson out of Harry Potter, right? Like right. she's writing the right character yeah. with Harry's disobedience. Is, it's kind of funny. They also just, um, Bethany Hamilton is the the surfer who had her arm bitten off by a tiger okay. shark in Hawaii. And then uh, Soul Surfer was a movie made about her. Uh, the World Surf Federation just announced they're going to let uh, trans women, dudes, uh, surf with the women compete against the women and, oh, and wow. Bethany Hamilton's already thrown down and has already said, we'll be, we'll be forming a new federation. If this actually happens, like she's, she treated it like shots were fired. She did not sit around and have meetings and you know, it was immediate. She, it was an immediate response. Like they did this Good for and her. here it goes. Now, Bethany Hamilton is, she's made a lot of money, uh, with an emphasis in most everything she touches. And I don't, I don't know all her books. I don't know all her kids books and everything else, but most everything she touches is about fear. Hmm. Like about like defeating fear, overcoming fear. And that's obviously something she had to do. The fact that she paddled back out into the same spot having your where she had her arm off. bitten off at the shoulder oh. that she learned to surf with one arm that she went back out there and faced faced her fears is insane. The fact and she's you know she's a believer and she's um, you know just a really strong character, a really interesting character. But she she found the actual meaning, the actual like potency in her own story. She lived a very hard story. She discerned what the like the core value of that story was, which is around fear and courage, and she applied it in a, a superficial environment. A, you know, surfing, surf competition, that kind, that kind right. of thing. Now, here it is again. Like, here's the big shark came, and like and she got her the big shark thing. She the much, it. the much, the much bigger thing came. The the much bigger beast showed up and said, "Hey, this is what we're doing." And she punched back immediately, without any hesitation, without any thought about her own loss of economic status or you know finances or anything. And those are all real threats. Like she's going to suffer. She will suffer Yeah, um, for doing what she just did. And that's fantastic. Like she's, she's being the right character and she's being the right character for a second time through, you know, it's like her sec- her second dance with um, a big villain, you know, a, a big monster. So it's, we learn from the stories we're in, but we, we behave in the way that we behave in the stories in which we live informed by movies, shows, stories, uh, this, and this is why it's so important to tell the right stories. And it's also so important to ground your storytelling in scripture because, uh, again, switching back to basketball and coaching, when I ask my boys, you know, when I'm talking to guys and I say, hey, what, you know, what would King David do? You know, like, what would that guy do in this kind of situation? It's probably something that's going to get you expelled. <laughs> you know, it's like they actually all kind of, they all kind of know 
like whoa like we're so far away we're, we're still, <laughs> from king david we're still yeah we're still so far away from yeah. from that level of fearlessness like his level of fearlessness they can immediately imagine that he would be impossible to control and would be in so much trouble you know he'd be in so much trouble all the time and they can already feel all that fear even of a good institution even of yeah a godly institution they can just be like oh gosh like we'd be yeah if we started acting like david um that would that would be massive problem and and they're not wrong yeah i mean my wife and i talk about this a good bit because you got got, boys right (laughs) i got boys i want my kids i don't want them getting nonstop pink slips right but i also don't want the standard to be no pink slips right right which i'm trying which is a hard a bit of a hard line to walk because mm-hmm. I don't ever want to say that to them. <laughs> I would yeah. rather have it communicated in other ways, but yep. I don't know. How do you, you know, slavish compliance can be something you occasionally teach when you're just trying to get your kid to obey at school. Yeah. Or, and how do you parent against that? I mean, I guess it is. Is it just story? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. I mean, I've told my son's, a couple times, the one discussion we just had was about, hey, if someone if someone hits your brother and you hit him back, yeah, you're gonna get in trouble. And they're like, well, that's not fair. And I was like, but I'd be happy with you. You, you know, yeah, no, it's you know, be fine. yeah, yeah. Like, there's you get sent to the principal for hitting someone because someone hit your little brother. That yeah, you got sent to the principal, but I'm gonna be happy. Right? Yeah, and the thing the thing that's interesting is that the way that the way this works is is a very tiptoey. It's a very delicate thing, but. Think about which ditch we are comfortable with yeah. as parents. When I have uh when I have a player who goes too far in his aggression. Okay. You know, yeah. it's like if he goes too far in aggression on the court, and yeah. I have and I've had that this year. If I have a player who who goes too far and then you, we're gonna be talking like gets angry or fouls too hard or uh I like being a being obnoxious to an opponent. Okay. Right. You know, it's like, so if, um, and I would say in this, like an opponent throws an elbow, hits him, hits him in the chest, throat, mm-hmm. just goes at him, tries, calls him a, you know, a little beep, beep, beep. And you know, so you have that. Right. So when you're playing, when we, we go out there and we I take a bunch of Christian boys, we go on the court and we battle teams that are coming from very different environs than ours. Yeah. Deary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I'm dealing with players who are, uh, cussing them out in the halls, cussing them out every time. Like, there's no respect between play. There's no like, hey, we're all here to have fun and good game. It's like, yeah, it's just uh, foul. Uh, and sometimes with intent to injure. And it's yeah, like, totally. it's, we're out yep. there to battle and the guys are toughening up. When I have a player who responds to that with too much aggression. Gotcha. Like, okay, let's say there's an aggressive response that would be appropriate. And there's an aggressive response that crosses the line. Um, and I have a guy who goes too far. That is a is a much bigger deal for everyone in the church than when I have a guy who wets his pants and chickens out and and abandons his teammates. Yeah. So, and if a guy like shuts his mouth, folds up, like the clamshell closes, he backs away, like literally physically walks away from the offense and stops moving and freezes and gets upright and is just scared. Like I'm looking at him, I know the game, I know my players, and I see him, he's just petrified. I don't I don't hear from anybody. But you if, know, like that's yeah, but if your like, kid starts barking, gets in someone's yeah, face. Yeah, if my kid gets yeah. in somebody's face and, and now and, down, and my scared yeah. my scared kid can do it in a way that as is as visible and like is as public as yeah. the kid who's yapping. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes if he if I've got a guy who goes face to face and he's He's yapping with an opponent. Let's say the first three things he says are fine, and the and the third sentence crosses the line. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like let's. He's doing something like that. I'm I'm going to have conversations. I'm going to have conversations with people who are just in the community who are concerned. I'm going to have conversations like just in general. Like it's going to be what 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 are we doing? What are we pursuing? When I have somebody who's terrified, and you know, publicly wets the bed. <laughs> You know, it's like when that happens in the, in a Christian community, like somebody who runs and hides is, is not seen as anywhere near as shameful 
as somebody who crosses a line, a line of aggression. Now yeah. that's not because of the Christian community. That is because of the broader world landing so hard on masculinity and testosterone and uh, what an aggressive hero looks like. And like, that's, that's where that comes from. It's not coming from the church. It's coming from the world in which the church lives yeah. and the world in which the world, which the church is scared of offending. Yeah. Yeah. I remember your, your brother-in-law was my lacrosse coach <laughs> and I remember we were playing Gonzaga prep and mm. just getting flattened by one guy. And I remember him putting a, you know, putting a target on the guy and saying, Hey, if you could take that guy out, you know, I don't yeah. remember what the reward was, but I remember that moment and remember feeling the, uh, the, the fact that we couldn't do it. We all knew it was like, that's a big indictment. Somebody lay him down. Yeah. yeah. You got to knock this guy over. Like that's the move mm -hmm. that is in the male toolbox. And that's a big part. Yeah. When I look back on that sort of environment, the ability to take someone out without losing it, man, that's a hard skill. Yeah. Without, without losing your temper. Right. Without like, you're not, you're not trying to knock somebody down. Yeah. Uh, with, with a sort of a cold calculated self-control you're doing yeah. it because you lost your temper. Right. And, and we're very, and we're very scared of that. And that rightly, yeah. we, we, because we I, you still remember when, when I remember that school you're talking about, when they showed up in the gym, there were always cops there and they'd yeah. always punch holes in our walls. And that's not what you want either, <laughs> yeah. but that's not a Christian school's problem. Yeah. Generally. And it's the thing we had one game where, um, a guy did attempt to injure a player, one of our players and threw himself and his whole body into the outside of his knee, buckled his knee in from the outside. Yeah, that's in season. You could end a career. That yeah, way, right. And it's yeah. like so. He does that. He stands up, leaves our player down, uh, who happens to be my son, which is a nice extra layer. Um, my son's on the ground. He stands up, and his the the offending player's teammate comes over and gives him five, standing over. You know, my injured kid. One of the conversations we had there with my guys is like, what's an appropriate response? For if any of our players has that happened to them, when do you go get in that guy's face? Did, does anybody start jawing and get like letting him know that this is not you crossed the line? Like, this yeah. is gonna you're gonna cross the <clears throat> yeah. line. And why would you do that? When would you do that? Under what? Like how much self control? Like self control has to be there. How do you do it? And why? How do you do it? And why would you do it? And the reason why you would do it is because he needs to know he can't do it again. Like. Yeah. It's you're either giving him permission to continue doing this or you show concentration of force and team unity and pushback, but you also are doing it in that particular context so that the refs have to take control because yeah. Yeah. the refs now have to watch because if they see two like opposing teammates yapping, you know, and I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, insulting his mother. I'm just telling, you know, yeah, telling him that was, that was dirty and you're going to regret that, you know, just, yeah, you know, that's it. Uh, a ref now, a ref now has to step up because we didn't do that. That same player later uh, came on a, like a blind side, like a football hit and laid out my son into the bleachers later. You know, it's like, it's just, it's one of those yeah. things where he was, he could do whatever he wanted. It was just yeah. fearless. And the first second, time we, the first time scene, we, right? yeah, the first time we played them, uh, my son had had a bunch of points He'd kind of he'd been the center of the offense. They knew he was that guy. He was that guy. We gotta, yeah, you know, we gotta take him out of the game. And they they were successful. Um, and that's that's and that's why we play these things. That's why we do this is so that there are real life scenarios that are still controlled environments. It's still a safe and controlled environment where guys have to like live narratives. Yeah, they've got to they gotta feel the peaks of adrenaline and maintain self-control. They got to feel the temptation to fear and be afraid and collapse and resist that and rise up. They've yeah. got to do all these things. And there's, there's not a lot of areas where you can learn that except like in, you know, in a rectangle <laughs> that is officiated and controlled yes. because everything that goes on on a football field, everything that goes on on a basketball court would be illegal if it happened anywhere else. <laughs> so Right. You can't can't hit someone. You can't box somebody out in a grocery store. You can't Yeah. You know, it's like you don't get to can't steal the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, all of this is illegal, but we have this controlled environment where they have to man up. These boys have to man up and 
Uh, it's, it's really fantastic. I think it's important. And it's because in that controlled environment, all these stories play out every game, all these narratives and all these micro narratives play out and they have to, they have to incorporate all the lessons they've learned. And when I'm in a locker room, I'm referencing stories. I'm telling them stories. I'm telling them stories from scripture. I'm telling them stories from other athletes. I'm telling them stories from history, like stories. Yep. The way you teach these guys how to comport themselves under stress and in hardship and when facing opposition is entirely yeah. narrative. And, you know, it's like I, I give that to them and then tell them who to be, what characters we're going to be. Uh, and then we, then we go try to be them. And the next game we try again. And the next game we try again. Um, and every sport actually has slightly different aspects of character development that I really like. So yeah. football is very different than basketball is very different than baseball is very different than track. Yeah. You know, like, and baseball, the pressure of going to the plate, which every player does that, that public. Yeah. Everyone's looking by yourself. You're by yourself. You're alone. You versus that guy. And you're going to strike out or get out most of the time. <laughs> you know, like that's like the best players in the world are going to get out most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and that's fantastic. I mean, that is such a, the closest thing in, in basketball is the free throw, but even that's just you and the rim. It's not a guy throwing something at you or brushing your back or, yeah. Um, so I, I, I really got that team aspect and just the sheer physicality of it. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, and, and also the way God made the world is, is hysterical in that the physics honor physics honors courage and brutally punishes cowardice. <laughs> so so yeah. the the fact is if you go into a hit and you hit that guy harder than he hits you you don't really feel it when you go into those impacts like you are transferring force like I mean, a really big hit you're gonna you're gonna feel but the majority you're fighting over who's gonna feel this more <laughs> <laughs> you know so when you come in if you come in courageously with great form and you fly in high speed and there's that impact. And he came in a little harder, a little stronger, a little faster. You're feeling all of it. Yeah. You're going to buckle. He's going to go right over the top of you. But yeah. if you if you ramp that up and you put all of the force into him, like it's funny because you'll see this, this two guys go through the same impact, right? Yeah. Blam. One of them's on his back and slow to get up. And the other one is up screaming and high-fiving <laughs> his teammates. They both just went through the same car wreck. It's the same car wreck. But the way God made the world, the aggressor is like, it's like he gets given all the other guy's talents. You know, it's like the aggressor is the one who actually hurt less. Mm-hmm. And the one who wussed out in that last microsecond and just flinched yeah. ends up making it so much worse for themselves. And when when guys learn that, when there's a little toggle that shifts over there, where they learn that more aggression and more courage hurts less, it's it's wild when you yeah. watch, when you watch that start to really get in their bones uh then then you start to see guys who fly around you yeah. know they, they really do so i mean we've kind of wandered all over the place but in it's it is all one big piece right it's like telling the right yeah. stories telling the right stories telling the right stories it's like well i think that's why my sons set their alarm and went out at you know in the the wee hours to protest illegal arrests from tyrannical a tyrannical city. It's why it's why I'm telling stories in locker rooms. It's why I'm like, it's why I want guys playing sports on the court, on the field, yeah. so on, and so they can I mean, live stories. Yeah. They can live and learn from these stories, incorporate stories, and then as they become adults, obviously they're always living every day. They're living. Yeah, uh, they're yeah living and it's stories. probably time for that. Uh, your your favorite metaphor of the balls of clay coming down mm. the needing to sculpt them all yeah, into yeah. mugs because it feels yeah. like sports gives you that like yeah. nothing else like yeah it does so i i do with um and i I've, i'm sure i've said this on this podcast my conveyor belt of of clay <laughs> i yeah. use it with my kids i've used it with my wife i use it with my team you're standing at god puts you at a conveyor belt and that is time and these moments come by and they're just little mounds of wet clay and you've got you've got no time at all to make them into a, like this into a mug. Like you have to like right now, go make it into a good mug. And the conveyor belt comes and you start messing with the mud and it's leaving and it's leaving. And you're like, man, I totally botched that. Like I just botched that completely. You don't have time to sit there and wallow. You don't have time 
at all to be sad about that mug because the next one's going by like the next moment, the next day, the next afternoon, the next thing is, is floating by you the next game. And so it's so easy when we screw up and when we fail to then like get sad and wallow. But in doing that, now we turn that failure into like two or three X now, <laughs> and now, now multiple piles of wet clay just go whipping by. And so I've, I've many times told my guys in the locker room, like next mug, like, we're just like, yeah, we're on, we're on to the next mug. It's the next mug. It's this one now. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's this one, lock in focus. The other thing that happens, and to be honest, it's only happened to us once in this basketball season where we make a fantastic mug. <laughs> like <laughs> we've had a lot of great moments. We, the team has grown a ton. And it's been, it's been really fun, but only one game, one whole game. That was the perfect mug. Where we're like, yes. And then we watched it too. Just like we would watch a bad one. We watched the good one and the, and the next one, you know, caught us in the teeth <laughs> because we were like, that was so good. <laughs> but do you remember and yesterday? Then it's like, but then there's this one now and we're still looking down. It's like, look how great we did over there. Then boom, the next, the next opponent kicks us in the face. And it's uh, it's nice. It's like, it's how it works. So next up, I mean, for me, I've been next mugging on um, sticker gate for a long time. I'm really grateful that Gabe has, had this uh has hit this point where i think a settlement is just around the corner i hope i really do hope that we win on appeal for rory and then that we are looking at similar victory in the lawsuits but it's you know a lot of a lot of brawl between here and there still but but we're down for it it's yeah. not 40 years in the wilderness we've never had to go we never had to go that long yeah it's just the plane of gorgoroth <laughs> <laughs> yes the dead marshes however <laughs> however you want to view it uh, whatever narratival reference you might need yes. to, to make it make sense. Yes. But I think the moral of the story on this one is uh, see the use of sports, shall we? Mm. And the real use of sports is narratival. Look at, we can make everything about stories that's, here. That's because it is. Here at SASF. That's why we named the podcast this. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. That's that's uh, episode 103, was it? Yes. Finesse. I wanted to take this special moment at the end of the SASP episode to tell you all, in case you've missed it, in case you've had your ears plugged, or in case, I don't know, you went and did something during this part, but the SASP Look at Moving Pictures Club, the LAMP or LAMP Club, uh, is happening now. What is it you ask? Well, it's the Look at Moving Pictures Club where we pick a video at the start of each month. You send in your questions as you watch the video, and at the end of the month, Nate and I will have the moving picture club and discuss the video with your questions and talk about basically how we enjoy consume film. Uh, the link for subscribing to that is in the description. It is basically canonpress.com slash SASF with no W's. I don't know why there's no W's. Anyways, that's the link for subscribing to get email notifications about the SASF lamp club. That's all I got for you. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burn.